suffering is not something that we have a lot of familiarity with. We don't see much suffering in our day-to-day -day lives. I'm not sure how to describe that for us. It seems like a privilege or maybe even a luxury that we don't see suffering every day. But I feel frustrated by those words, privilege and luxury, because I would want it to be normal, actually, for people to not have to deal with suffering in their day-to-day -day lives. It seems, though, that suffering is a part of being human. To be human is to be certain that suffering will come your way. And so we see in today's gospel these ten lepers, people whose skin had some sort of irritation. In the Bible, leprosy is a generic term used to describe all kinds of skin problems. But while they are still a distance from Jesus, they call out for God's mercy upon them. And Jesus heals them without even coming close, without even touching them. One particular person who was healed comes back to thank Jesus. And Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. This is a powerful sentence this simple sentence, your faith has made you well. It is one, invariably, I imagine, each of us has wrestled with to understand how faith works. We can think of faith kind of as a commodity, as something we need to have enough of to exchange it for something better, that which we want or we need. But we see in our gospel lesson today, just as we saw in our gospel lesson last week, that faith is not a commodity. It is not something that we acquire. It is the result of a relationship. The relationship of God's grace and our response with gratitude and trust in God. I think of faith kind of like vitamin D. It doesn't exist except for what happens when the sun comes into our body and our body takes the sun's rays into it and vitamin D is produced. If you buy vitamin D off a shelf, it has been manufactured. Vitamin D cannot be taken from a plant or some other natural material, as so many vitamins and minerals can. So faith is what we call the relationship of God and us, God's grace into our lives and our ability to recognize it and to respond with gratitude and trust in God. Faith happens. It is made known in that relationship. In reflecting on today's gospel, I was reminded of a hymn that I grew up singing in my Protestant upbringing. It is well with my soul. That's the name of the hymn. So I googled that hymn and came to learn of the author, Horatio Spafford. And I want to share with you a little bit of his life that demonstrates faith. Horatio Spafford lived in Chicago with his wife at the turn at the late part of the 19th century. The lyrics to this hymn were born out of his own tragedy and suffering. In 1871, he and his wife experienced the death of their son, who was only two years old. And also in that year was the Great Fire of Chicago. 
This led to their financial ruin. Horatio had been a successful lawyer, but had invested heavily in real estate in the particular area of Chicago that burned. He found further financial hardship in 1873 with the recession of that year. He decided to send his wife and daughters to England or to Europe where he would meet them. He was not going to be able to make the trip with them as he had planned because of a hang-up in some of the negotiations and work he was doing in Chicago. And so his wife and daughters went ahead of him. And as they journeyed across the Atlantic, their ship collided with another and quickly sank. All four of Horatio and Anna's daughters died in that sinking ship. His wife Anna sent him a telegram from Europe with only two words on it, saved alone. As Horatio made his way across the Atlantic to be with his grieving wife, when he came to the part of the ocean where he understood the ship to have sank, where his daughters died, he came up with these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back like a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. Horatio and Anna returned back to the United States and had three more children. More tragedy struck on February 11th of 1880 when their four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. They had only one daughter then at that time, Bertha. She was almost two years old. The Presbyterian church that they were a part of regarded their tragedy as divine punishment. And so Horatio and Anna decided to go out into the world, taking Bertha and their newborn baby, Grace. They went to the Ottoman Turkish Palestine and settled in Jerusalem. It was there that they decided to take up their place in attending to the humanitarian needs of that region. They formed an organization called the American Colony. Swedish Christians came and joined them and they responded to the needs of those around them. Most notably, following World War I, they played a critical role in supporting the communities through the suffering that followed in that region, through feeding people, through attending to orphans, soup kitchens, and hospitals. This American colony was even fe featured in a fictional book called Jerusalem. Our suffering allows us in our faith to enter into other people's suffering. Because of our awareness of God's grace made known to us and our response of gratitude and trust 
we know that the suffering of others will not overcome us. Interestingly enough, when I went to the Holy Land two years ago, our guide, Eod, pointed out where the American colony still is. It's not a very big group of people, but they're still carrying on these efforts to respond to the needs in that region. I'm mindful even of the work of the Episcopal Diocese in Jerusalem. Most dioceses, of course, include a particular region. They have, great, they have land boundaries. And the Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem has a huge swath of the Middle East of which it's, for which it's responsible. And one part of their responsibility is Assyria. Now, how do you attend to a place so torn and broken? As the church, there are churches there who are looking to respond to the needs around them. What is it like to live in faith? To take God's grace into these areas of trouble and with thanksgiving and trust in God to respond to those very needs. I'm reminded also of the many refugees around the world. Just this week alone, perhaps you heard, 10,000 refugees were rescued from the Mediterranean, making their way from the continent of Africa. 10,000 refugees in 48 hours. 10,000. In 48 hours, 10,000 people were rescued from the Mediterranean and brought to the coast of Italy. I was looking at some of the pictures on the Guardian website from this rescue. In one particular image, the people are packed into these boats. Their faces are turned to look up at the camera because they can't turn their bodies. And I was reminded of, of a situation in which I'd been similarly packed and I could thought of the elevator. How I have squished myself into an elevator because I didn't want to wait for the next one. I wasn't sure when it would come. And I, was, and I thought of these individuals, how they somehow thought it was a worthwhile idea to pack themselves so tightly into that boat. Perhaps because they don't know when, when the next one will come. What are the circumstances that make this a good idea? What are they fleeing that make this seem like a good idea? It baffles the mind. We, as the town of Ridgefield, are preparing to welcome a refugee family into our midst. We have no idea from what part of the world they'll come. We do know that it will not be one of these people that was on the Mediterranean earlier this week. The family that comes to our town will have been in the process for several years already, awaiting their announcement that they get to be settled in a new land. We have the luxury, the privilege, of being able to share with them. The resources, the gifts, the grace that God has bestowed upon us, we get to share as an act of thanksgiving and as an act of trust in God's work in our midst. Indeed, we don't know how God is going to work all this out. And sometimes that lack of awareness can be scary, to say the least. But we respond in faith as a demonstration of God's grace made known in us and our desire to respond with great, great gratitude to God and trust in God for what God can do in our midst. That is our invitation as Christian people. That is the privilege we have 
as people who are saved by faith because of God's grace made known in our lives. As a conclusion to this homily, the choir is going to sing this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I invite you to allow these words to wash over you, to allow them to be God's prayer in you. As you seek to make known God's grace in the world, responding with your gratitude and your trust in God, that is what we are called to as Christian people. <laughs>